Now, as it turns out, your book gives you a pretty good set of instructions here, uh, beginning on page 415, this setting up ABOP and Eclipse for an existing system. And the first thing that it notes is, is that you should go out and download the Luna version of Eclipse. And I, I echo that. That is definitely something you should do. Now, if, if you have never uh, done this before, um, you, you may not be aware of what you're actually going to do is go to the, you can go to the web page that's actually in your book. And, and what you will download here is a, um, a, a zip file. And all you do to actually install this is unzip that zip file to a location on your system. And so my recommendation would be, and I just went out to the C drive here and created a folder called Eclipse and, and unzipped it there. And Eclipse is here somewhere, I thought, but... Oh, Luna. Yeah, I called it Luna. So call it Luna, call it Eclipse or whatever. And then in that directory, uh, you're going to find this eclipse.exe. I just did the thing where you right-click on this and drag out, and you can create a shortcut to that. And so that's what this guy is right here. You, you could do the equivalent of this in Windows 10, or you could just you know, drill down every time through the subdirectory and, and double-click on this to launch the Luna Eclipse. Now, depending upon what software you have installed on your system, the first time you go to launch Eclipse, you may get a Java error because it's going to leverage your Java installation. And so if you get that error, look at the error message, and you may have to go out and download and install the specified version of, of Java to get that to work. But you will know that you've been successful when you can double click on that, and, and Eclipse will ask you for a workspace, like we'll see in a moment, and then present you with a development environment. Now at that point, you've set up Eclipse, but you have not set it up to work with, with ABOP. Okay, but step one is just to download Eclipse and get that to work. Then right here at the bottom of page 415, it says to install the ABOP tools, go to help, install new software, and then we go to the next page here, and it tells you, you know, what to type in this uh, web URL here. And, and the pictures here are dead on. You know, this is a benefit of having a contemporary book that just came out. You, you should see exactly what the book is showing you and after you do this now um, you will have installed the ABOP tools. At this point the system will tell you okay you need to log off and log back in and what you will likely find when you do that is when you go to start you're going to get an error message and the error message is going to in some way reference not being able to connect to the ABOP system or, or something of that sort. And the issue relates to another piece of software that you will need to download. And this particular software that I'm talking about is something that I have made available to you in D2L. So if you go to D2L content, and I think it's under general class content, you will see a, a file there that talks about the SAP Java connector. And so if you download that zip file, you're going to actually get this guy right here, SAP Java Connector, SAP JCO, blah, 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 dot zip. Unzip that guy, too, to a location on your hard drive where you can leave it forever. Um, you know, I'd suggest creating a directory, you know, SAPJCO or something like that. I don't recall what I called mine here and where I, I actually put it on, on this machine. 
and then you're going to have to install this. Now, this is perhaps the most complicated thing in the whole process, and this is not in your book. So, so um, you know, you'll unzip this and put it in a particular directory. There's this README file that says, okay, you have to uncompress this into, you know, your own arbitrary directory, which is what I just told you. And then it says, okay, go to this intro.html and follow the instructions to, to install. And so, in fact, that, that particular file will give you a hyperlink that will ultimately take you to this web page right here, uh, installation.htm, which show, tells you how to install it. And really, the, you know, you notice there's directions here for Windows and Linux and everything else, and I'm, I've only tested this on, on Windows. And really, the only thing that matters is this. Um, it says, you know, unzip the distribution package into whatever directory you want to. This says what not to do. Don't copy the DLL files anyplace else. And, and then it says, then add this to your path environment variable, where this is a reference to the, the path to that directory. And then it says, add that path slash sapjco3.jar to your class path environment variable. So you're going to have to modify your environment variables, which will differ a little bit based on whether you're running Windows 7, some variant of 8, or, or Windows 10. If you don't know how to manipulate the environment variables, there's YouTube videos out there and all kinds of other stuff that'll show you that. But just so you understand here, and let's assume for the sake of argument that this directory um, here, and I'll just pick an arbitrary one, let's assume that, that this directory is where I unzipped it. Uh, you can come up here to your title bar or whatever you call this region right here, and right-click and copy address as text. And what that's going to do for you is, is give you the absolute path to, to that directory. That's what you would install you know, as your environmental variable or that with the slash SAP whatever after it. So perhaps, excuse me, perhaps the most complicated part of this is, is getting this Java connector set up correctly. So it's not really an install process, it's an unzip and then setting of two environmental variables. Once you have done that, you should find that now things actually work. And what I mean work, that means now when we go to launch Eclipse, um, it'll ask you for a workspace and you can, you know, designate a directory on your machine where you would like that to be and um, it will ultimately deposit you at the development environment. Now at this point, I already have a project in place, but I'll show you how to create a project to correspond with connecting to our machine. And once again, this does, some of this is at least talked about in your textbook. But if I now want to set up for doing my Java development, what I have to do is come over here and do File, New, and I'm going to have to go to, well, if you don't see it on the list here, you can click on Other, which will give you a more complete list. But I want a new ABOP project. And so I'll say New ABOP Project, and it will ask you for a connection to your machine. And the project I just created is actually the second one here. The top one is one that I had before from my testing. And you'll see this now. This is essentially your connection to the remote machine. If I unroll this, right now my favorite packages only shows the temporary package and we don't want to use that. If I unroll system library, I am going to see everything in the system, which clearly um, I, I don't, you know, need all of that. What I need to do is I need to find my package that you have previously, previously created. And so um, what we want to do is, is we want to find that. Now, if I do add a package to favorites, 
Okay, so you have favorites, you have the complete system library. Um, I've done this a couple different ways. Notice, uh, let's just try here, for my favorites, if I choose the option after I right click, add local objects of user, I don't think that's gonna pull anything in. Oh, here we go, now it's saying, okay, enter the partial name of a user. So my username is ZE02. You could type in your username and then uh, select that, okay and yeah that didn't work okay um, so we, we can't do it that way so let's try add a package and enter the partial name of a package remember we always start a package with with our name here so there's my ZE02 don't ask me why it pulled in ZE01 because that clearly doesn't match ZE02 but there's my ZE02 package 01 so if if you were user ZE 22 okay you know there's your package that you created and so here's my ZE 02 okay and so now it's it's under favorites so let me just review that we wrote we wrote clicked we right clicked on favorite packages we chose add a package we typed in the beginning of our package name and it showed up here in the list. We selected it, we hit okay, and, and here's the package. All right, now, if I unroll this guy and unroll my source library and unroll my programs, there's my programs that I've written so far. And in fact, if I, let's see, if I keep unrolling here, notice this, we didn't talk about this before, but notice because I defined a type in this program, that actually shows up in the tree here. But if I wanna open up the program, I, I just double click on this. And this will now, it'll take a second here because it's gonna go out to the remote system and it's going to have to retrieve it and bring it back. and and uh, in my previous testing it didn't take quite as long as what we're looking at here but i'm sure this is somewhat influenced by network traffic and and so there is my program in the editor this guy over here i guess is some kind of video you can watch about abop development i haven't watched it but if you want to you can but i'm going to close that guy up and uh you know kind of do some resizing here now that i i have this loaded up and uh, this program's the one we were messing with a second ago that has an error in it. Let me pull up my old, just normal Hello World program. And now what we'll see is that when we want to run it, you know, our tools here at the top are a little bit different, but this green guy right here, run as, if I click on that, um, I can say, we'll run this as an ABOP application and then okay and I think this is kind of cool watch what's gonna happen it actually spawns a sap GUI and another tab here and and runs your program and so if you had any elements of interactivity you would see that there and then you know the one thing I would note here is if you elect to do this development and when I ask you for things like screenshots and stuff, you don't have to give me the whole window, but do give me the screen here and then the item down here that shows your username and such. And then so here's the program running and, and you could back out of this or when you're done testing it, you could exit it the way I just did or you could just X out that little window there. Now with this, you're going to get some of the same uh, things that we saw before with the code hints. Um, you know, there's a pretty printer you could configure. You're going to get the syntax highlighting. Just a different development environment. And your book in several sections will talk to you a little bit about using this environment and some of the features of it. If you would like to do your development using this tool, you are welcome to do so. It is in no way required. You can stick with using SE80, but for those of you that want to give this a shot, you should find that you can do this with your account. Yes, sir? Activating. Uh, activating is this guy right here, activate. Um, and so it just activated my program. Um, you know, you have more debugger tools here at the top. Um, and, and so we don't have a complete one-to-one -one match. I don't see a button, for example, that corresponds with our uh, syntax check button. 
let's oh here check about development object the the um, the icon is different, but it did the ABOP syntax check. Um, you'll notice, let's see, you know, we have other things here at the bottom that uh, might at some point be relevant to us, but, but really aren't relevant at this point. And so um, this is what we have. And so it is available to you if you would like to use it. All right. Yes, sir. Ah, that's a really, really good question. Um, let's see. So I need to, first of all, incorporate a parameter statement. And I notice I don't have my pretty printer, so it actually gives me the keyword set up. It's giving me the keywords in lowercase letters here. So I'll just do parameter var1. Um, I have to save it, which is uh, this disk icon here. I have to activate it. And so now the question becomes, how do we do uh, an Forward navigation will work here. Um, I do not know. I'm not seeing anything right off that looks like it takes me to the text pool. Um, at this point, I would, I would um, make a trip to Google or someplace like that to, to. Uh, look that up. Uh, I'm assuming there's a way to get to it, but I don't, I don't know how to do that. I also am curious, uh, F1 help, um, yeah, notice F1 help doesn't seem as nicely integrated as what we have seen when we're in the local environment. Yes, sir? Yeah, so, so you know, there's a trade-off here. And, and keep in mind what I, I shared with you before. I've talked to a lot of ABOP developers, and, and they have not moved to this yet, except for very specialized kinds of projects when you're mixing ABOP with JavaScript and HTML. There's some merit to doing UI5 development in this environment, but for straight-up ABOP development, they, they have stuck with SE80. So I'm just showing you this because some of you might want to play around with it. And your book will reference this. So uh, read those sections of your book, and you may eventually decide that you want to try it out. The good news is whatever you create here will be available when you go back to SE80 and vice versa. Uh, so you can bounce back and forth as you, as you might desire to do so. Okay? Other questions? Okay, yeah, so let me make a, just a syntax error. Uh, parameter var1 um, type q length. I'm trying to trigger. So notice what's happened here is, is it, has, it, it points out errors in a slightly different way. I do have uh, red here that if I hover over it, it says type q is unknown. And over here, it will put a little mark to the left of the line. So arguably, it's a little bit better because it's doing the full out syntax check as I type and not just saying you have an error, but actually giving you uh, a detailed error message if you hover over it. So that, that's something that could be useful. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm trying to think of an easy way. Remember, anybody remember how we crashed it before? Is that what we did last time? Is that did that? And that's what it was. So, so yeah. If I do uh, data, 
uh, x type p and see notice this right away it's giving me this statement's not complete well thank you I'm, I'm still typing it okay uh, length uh, two decimals two value two comma one four I think Previously, we observed that this was an error. And notice this now, it's, it's smart enough to flag this as a syntax error, so it may not even throw it at the, at the compiler here. Um, but let's just see what happens if I try and run this. Run, um, yeah, run. Oh. It ran the activated version. All right, so let's get rid of that and let's try and run again. It probably asks me um, the active version has unsaved active version. All right, so I'm going to save it, see if that's what the issue is. Uh, the active version is going to be used. So here, if I try and activate it, failed with errors. So. Um, should it be activated anyhow? Yeah. That can't be a recipe for a problem. Run. Okay. So notice I, I crashed the SAP GUI, but I still have my code. So that's one thing that seems a little, a little nicer. All right. So if you're going to be crashing the system a lot, this might be a nicer development environment for you. Well, let's, let's uh, kind of look at this here. Um, th this is clearly a bad version of Hello World. Um, and I, I saved it. Um, if I go, and I'm actually on a different machine here. So this is actually a really good test of that. Here's my Z02 Hello World that you see here. All right, so now the question would be is if I open this for development and I say, oh, that's a mistake, this should be... 2.12 okay so I fix it here and I save it okay and now I go back to my uh, IDE alright it still has the old version in it um, my, I'm wondering there's, there's probably a way to refresh this okay yeah refresh F5 and there you go so I mean it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty real time yes sir Well, the, we had a question about the, the, um, the text pool and stuff. And the only way I know to get to it at this point is through the SAP GUI. Similarly, I have not figured out a way, and I'm not saying there's not one, but in my, in my limited use of this, I have not figured out a way to create a new package in this environment. I had to create the package in the SAP GUI and, and then come here to actually employ it. And I'm pretty sure like if I did, you know, so there's no way uh, I add a package um, isn't really going to give me the, you know, it's not designed for creating a new one. And so, and there's nothing here where I can right click and say new there's nothing here for a new package. Now, I am going to be curious later on the semester when we start doing object-oriented programming to use this class editor, but there's nothing here even under other that talks about, you know, a new ABAP package. Oh, yeah, and different tabs. It's just going to, yeah, it's just going to add different tabs here across the top, absolutely. All right. All right, so I just wanted to show this to you, play around with it a little bit as you desire to, or if you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to use that at all, so be it. You know, there's no requirement that you do that, but I wanted you to be aware that it exists. For our class time together, I think I will stick with SE80 um, because it gives us a, a little bit clearer environment, I think, to look at on our, on our big screen here. Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, installed it. You didn't only have to do the Java connector, 
So when you downloaded the ABOP tools, did you download the Luna version of the ABOP tools? So you found a Mars version out there. Okay. What, what operating system are you running? 8.1. Okay. So if you want to give that a shot, uh, download the Mars version, download. And how did you get access to the ABOP tools? Did you just type what the book said and change Luna to Mars? Okay, but when you download the ABOP tools, you, you changed in the URL where it said Luna, you changed that to say Mars, mm -hmm. and it worked fine. Okay? There's a link on Quanta's page for using Mars. So I guess that must be something. It, it, yeah. And it, it is very, very new. It's probably officially classified as a, a like a beta or a ramp up at this point. But if it works, it works. And in fact, a lot of these Eclipse tools, you know, if, if you had problems with it and contacted SAP, they'd probably say, well, that isn't our official development environment. You know, so it's kind of, if you can get it to work, great. And so have at it. Absolutely. All right, well, in our time together today, we want to pick back up in our discussion here. And really, we're getting ready to uh, close this out with a discussion on conditional code because we, we covered the things that we needed to related to parameters last time. We talked about the text pool and showed you some things there. And so we are, are ready to jump in to our discussion of things related to logical expressions. If you're not familiar with that term, it's, it's not something I'm sure that conceptually is new to you. Uh, the term logical expression just refers to some kind of sequence, be it arithmetic or other kind of code, that when you evaluate it, it's going to evaluate to either be a true or, or false proposition. Now, in many programming languages, you could actually put a logical expression on the right side of an equal sign. And then on the left side of the equal sign, put a variable there, and the result will be stored in that variable. Some programming languages where you have a Boolean data type, the variable on the left of the equal sign would be set to true or false. In other programming languages where you don't have a Boolean data type, integers are used, and it would be set to 0 for false or 1 to true. In ABOP, we do not have that. A logical expression is either true or false, not 0 or 1, true or false, and you cannot assign it directly to a variable. There's no Boolean data type in the language. Logical expressions are very useful for us as they are the key to conditional code sequences. Yes, sir. Uh, what about the ABOP true and ABOP false are new elements of the language. And so um, I think your book talks about that a little bit. Um, so we'll forego discussing that here. But realize that if you're running on a newer system, this is one of the things that they've tweaked in a newer version of the language. So logical expressions are very useful for us in conditional code. So let's talk about the different relational operators we have. You will notice that there are both symbolic and textual equivalents for each of the operators here. You can use the single equal for testing is something equal to something else, or you could use EQ. For not equal, notice we don't use the exclamation mark in ABOP. It's the less than, greater than symbol back to back, which I think is generally like what you would have used in a math class for not equal. Um, or you can use NE. We have less than, we have greater than, we have less than or equal to, we have greater than or equal to. So the relational operators work just as they would in other programming languages. You just have to decide whether you're going to use the symbols or the text. And my only request is that you pick one, at least for a given program, and, and stick to using that. And that you be, available, you be able to recognize the other version in the event you're presented with a code snippet. But I don't really think that that is, is that challenging as long as you note that, that you know, the distinction between like GT and GE, 
um, in the actual code itself. And then we have the Boolean operators, and, or, and not. Once again, we do not use the exclamation mark for not. We use the actual spelled out word, not. And you'll notice that by convention for these operators, if we use the text version, we, we do typically their keywords. So we would set them in all uppercase letters. The way not works is we place it in front of an expression to negate its result or to flip the result. So here we have uh, something that we undoubtedly could rewrite to be a simpler statement, but uh, not var a lt var b is going to evaluate, okay, is var a less than var b? If the result of that is true, then the not would flip it to false and, and vice versa. There are rules of precedent associated with all of these, but my suggestion to you is if you're doing anything complicated, use parentheses. If you just have a very simple statement, then the parentheses are not needed, but rather than memorize the rules of precedence and perhaps mess them up in a given application, your code is going to be clearer uh, through the use of parentheses anyhow. So if you happen to be putting together something of a complex nature, use the parentheses. Questions about this? All right, so let's look at how we would incorporate this into code. And, and I am leveraging the fact that all of you are veteran programmers, and so our focus here is on the syntax of this in ABOP, with the assumption being that you would understand how this would actually be used in a given program. So the if statement. I have the keyword if, and then I have some kind of logical expression, var a, less than var b, var a equal 7, or something more complex should I need it. And then I have one or more statements, and then end if, terminating as you see it here, where end if is its own keyword. At the beginning of the semester, I made a statement about how many keywords there were in ABOP and it was a huge number, and you begin to understand why when we start saying, okay, we have words like end if, and you're going to see other equivalents of this. Now, what do you know? Well, let me give you a specific example of this. If var a less than var b, write var a, end if. What do you notice about this syntax that would be different than what you might see in other programming languages? What's that? Every line is terminated. That's a good way to put it. There's a period at the end of every one of those things. In some programming languages, we would use curly braces around the body of this. In some programming languages, we would use begin and end statements. But nonetheless, in a lot of programming languages, if we terminated the if statement itself with a line end character, that would be, in effect, breaking the statement uh, in that the body would no longer be conditional. ABOP makes this simpler. Every line gets a period at the end of it. And so uh, the end if serves as the end of the block. And so if our body is just one statement like you see it here or a whole block of statements, um, it does not change our syntax. Note the indenting here. The default indent, if you use the SAP GUI, is after you type that if statement, the period, and hit enter, the next line is going to be indented. And so we would want to stick with that for the sake of clarity. And then the end if is pulled all the way back to line up with the if statement that started the particular block. This is an if else statement, if logical expression, one or more statements, and then an else clause, one or more statements, and if. What is notable about this guy? I suppose there's a lot of things you could say, but note that there is no and else. Okay? It's an if, and then an else, 
and then we terminate it with an end if, okay? Clearly, we do not have to have an else portion of this, but if we do, it, it is represented as you see it here. Note once again, every line is terminated, and when we get to the end of the sequence, we use end if to end the overall conditional code block. The indenting in the code that you write should be as you see it here for the sake of clarity. And then there's one last variation, and that's the else if. And so we have if, a logical expression, one or more statements, and then else if, a logical expression, one or more statements, and an end if. Now, I do not show this in the slides here, but you could have um, an else statement that would be a part of this. I don't know how typical that would be to mix else and else if in some kind of chaining here, but this is perfectly acceptable. If var a is less than var b, write var a. Else if var b is less than var c, write var b. And then I suppose at this point we could just do else and write var c, and if that made sense in the context of our program. Once again, every line is terminated, and we end this with an end if, not, you know, end else if or something of that sort. Questions? All right. Case statement. We don't tend to use these as much, but many programming languages incorporate them. The case statement in ABOP uh, begins with the keyword case, and then we have a data object. And then we have a sequence of when statements. When, and then we just list a value. And then there's one or more statements. And then when, and we list a value, and there's one or more statements. And so in this case, you are applying the logic of checking when the data object is equal to the value. And when they are, in fact, the same, uh, you're going to execute the statement that goes with a particular clause. In some programming languages, you have the equivalent of some kind of stop statement or similar that goes along with each of the when blocks to keep the code from falling through. We do not have that in ABOP. Uh, as soon as the system, let's say it uses this first when, as soon as it sees the second when, it knows that the first when block is over, and so we exit the case statement. If you need to pick up a default case that is executed in the event that none of the values match, we use when others. When others is optional, we may not need it, in a given program, but if we do want a default case, this is the syntax for that. So, this would be an example of that. Case var a, uh, when one, write uno, when two, write dos, when others, write other, end case. So pretty uh, straightforward there. Once again, notice each of the lines does in fact end with a period, and so that is something that makes our code uh, a little bit easier to get right. One of the things I like about ABOP is the nature of the syntax is such that it becomes harder to shoot yourself in the foot inadvertently than it is in some programming languages. You'll either get a syntax error or you'll have code that in fact works. Any questions about this? It can be character and in fact we can do more complex things as well. Uh, essentially what's going to happen is the data object and the value are going to be compared for equality's sake. 
and so there are some ways we could we could actually do something a little bit more complex there. Not saying that that's common, but it is it is possible. So you said. Yep. It will execute. We'll resume execution with the line of code that follows the end case statement. So, unlike other languages, it's not really possible for a case to handle full statements. That is correct. Yeah, you would have a break, and 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 that opens up in some languages. You know, you can sometimes write code where you want it to fall through and stuff. And, and if you've ever done anything like that, you realize that none of that improves the maintainability of your code. So, you know, this is going to keep you from doing things uh, that would potentially be problematic. Well, let's do this. To, just to practice a little bit, um, let me give you a, uh, a seg uh, let's write a program together. And I'll give you guys like a minute or two as a head start and then um, we'll write it in the editor together here. So write a program that prompts the user for two values, whole number integers in this case. Um, if the sum of those two numbers is even, print even as the output. If the sum of those two numbers is odd, print odd. You know what did we, yeah we did, we covered the arithmetic operators before. Um, after the above, compare the sum to the following. If the sum is 7, print magic number. If the sum is 14, print double magic. Otherwise, print no magic for you. So I would like for you to use an if statement for the first portion and a case statement for the second portion. So I'll give you a couple minutes as a head start here, and then we'll, we'll write this code together. What I would like us to do as we are working on this together is uh, try out some different ways that we could write the code to see if it in fact works or, or does not work. And so let's go ahead and, and jump into doing this. I realize you might not have your whole program written at this point, but hopefully you at least have some code written down and, and have in your mind uh, a solution mapped out. Well, we said we've got to get two values from the user, so that's going to employ a parameter statement. And so I'm just going to call these uh, var1 and, and var2. And so uh, I could go in and it would be you know, we haven't really talked about building the selection screen yet, but I could go into the type pool and give these a little bit more descriptive of a name for the user. But for the sake of what we're doing here, uh, this, this is going to be fine. And so uh, let's look back at our spec here. Write a program prompt to use for two values. If the sum of those two numbers is even, print even. If the sum is odd, print odd. So several different ways we could approach this, and we'll try some different variations. But what I would be include, inclined to do is this, uh, data sum type i, and then sum equals var1 plus var2. Question. Okay, that's exactly the kind of thing that I want us to look at. First of all, observe that clearly the code I have written to this point is syntactically correct. So the question is, could we do this, var1 plus var2, and you might have observed by my red plus sign there that no, that is not possible. Now, it, it would have allowed me, at least it appears, to do this with just a, and notice here, it's not even going to let me do that. So the only thing that can be to the right here, if I'm specifying a default value, is something that is a constant. Okay? So we have to throw that out. Yes, sir? If we do it inline. We do it in. 
you could all right so let's do it this way and then let's go back and change it to an inline statement and see what that would look like yeah that's good all right so so clearly at this point we we at least i trust we understand what's going on here we have added some things together uh to compute this sum and now um we need to check and see if this is even or odd so uh, i'll spot you if sum and, and what goes here now? Mod 2. Mod is just going to, in this case, return 0 or 1. So what do I want? I don't know that less than is my best operator here. That should equate to even, right? 4 mod 2 would be uh, 4 divided by 2 is 2 with no remainder. Any even number is not going to give us a remainder. Uh, that would be, would be equal. Now, let's, let's, let's just check here. And so I'm going to write, I'm going to root, apparently. Uh, what did I say? Write out. Uh, we'll do the new line, other way. Somebody keeping count of how many times I've messed that up so far. Uh, even. Okay. Now I'm going to go ahead and do this just for the sake of uh, let's do a, a little bit of a syntax check here and make sure we're good so far. And, and we are. Now let me share with you something that is nice. The newest version of ABOP allows this right here. A previous version of ABOP would not have allowed a math statement in an if statement. So we would have actually had to do the sum mod 2 as a statement similar to line 16 and then check that, you know, so check mod result to see if it's equal to zero. But the newest version of ABOP now makes that possible force, which is a big savings and headache. Yes, sir. We could, but I want us to do that by way of a case statement just to practice that. Um, the other thing, though, that I do need to take into account here is the else situation. And I don't need an else if, but the else clause is now uh, writing out odd. So um, I'll save this. Not going to bother activating it at this point, but I'll go to run this. And so uh, let's you know check it out a few different ways. Five and two uh, prints out odd. Um, four and two prints out even. Negative four and 2 prints out even, okay? 0 and 0 prints out even. So our, our logic here seems to be pretty good. This is working for us here. Yeah, it puts it to the right. It's the way it represents negative numbers. And we'll see that in the GUI as well. Um, if we, yeah, as a matter of fact, let's do that just so you guys can see this. Um, I'll, I'll introduce a write statement here and we'll just um, write out on a new line. There's another time I did it. Okay, we're going to write out sum just so we see that value on the screen. And so if I have it sum up negative 4 and negative 2, uh, notice my output is going to be this right here. And, and I, there's a way in the right statement that we can tell it to put the negative on the other side. But by default, that's the way it's going to show positive and negative numbers. There. The sign bit is always the rightmost digit. All right, so uh, the thing I wanted to point out here was 
the fact that we can now do math here, and so we want to take advantage of that. But, but just in case you find yourself like in, a, in another environment in the future where they're not running the latest version of ABAP, what, what I was attempting to convey is that in the past we would have had to do something like this, data mod result type I, and then we would have had to do mod result equals sum mod 2. And then down here, we would have done mod result eq0, because we could not do math in an if statement. But thankfully, we no longer have to worry about that in our current version of ABOP. Yes, sir? So you want to, say, do this right here. Okay, and notice how I put the spaces here, and we'll do a syntax check, and, and that is absolutely fine for us to do that. And I would not have a problem with you doing that at all for the sake of improving code clarity. All right, so then the next thing was to um, this, if it's 7, if it's 14, otherwise print no magic. And so the intent was for this to be a way of illustrating this. Now, by the way, some of you might have wondered, why do you even need the sum value? And let's look and see if we could, after we finish writing this, if we could get away with not having a, a data object called sum here. So let's write it like this, though. Okay, case based on sum. And then when 7, um, and this is when I write out, write magic number when 14, write double magic when others write no magic for you and then I end my case with an end case statement. And, and notice the indenting here. End case pulls over and is aligned underneath case. All the whens are indented and the bodies of the whens are indented as you see here. Notice the uh, roll up ability on the code like we talked about previously and the little dots it puts there next to the lines of code that represent actual propositions that are going to influence the control flow here. So let me save this and run it and make sure everything's correct here. So if I put in 4 and 3, it tells me that that's odd and a magic number. If I put in 4 and 10, it tells me it's even and double magic. And if I put in 10 and 10, it tells me it's even but no magic for you. So the logic here seems pretty good. Now I raised a question a moment ago, could I get away without creating this sum variable? Now the reason why sum makes good sense to me is because we actually use it in a few different places. We use it in two different conditional lines of code, but could I come here to line 20, and I'm going to get rid of these parentheses here and say, okay, instead of if sum, could I do if var, oops, space, var 1 plus var 2 mod 2 equals 0, and let's uh, save this and subject it to a syntax check. Oh, this is this guy right down here, so let's go ahead and change this to could I do var1 plus var2 here and save this and do another syntax check. Notice it's reporting this as syntactically correct. Now I still want to run this to be sure. Um, so 4 and 3 
odd magic number, I took off the write statement. Uh, so this guy is gone. That's why our output changed. And, uh, you know, 4 and 10, double magic. This works. Okay, now, this is something that is a part of the newest version of ABAP. Previous ABAP would not have allowed us to do this, but we can do this here. So the big thing to note is what it's actually going to do is if this is something other than just a single data object, it's going to evaluate this and then do the comparison here. But it will always be a strict equality comparison. Now I'm curious about something to see, and, and I realize this code makes no sense whatsoever, but you'll notice this is, is not acceptable. Okay, so it is looking for something in the when clauses that are constant values. Okay, question. Yes, sir. You're talking about the spacing. The pretty printer is really, um, what's a good word for it? I, I don't remember where it is even here. It's not that sophisticated. Um, that's not where it is. I forget. Anybody remember exactly how you get to the pretty printer? Uh, we did it in our first lab. But I, I just, I don't think that there's anything. Yeah, it's, I think it's under environment. Okay. Utilities, settings, allow. ABAP, yeah, here's ABAP editor. Um, you know, pretty printer technically only does this, the upper casing and lower casing. Um, the editor. I'm going to turn on, I don't know what this display all syntax there is, and I'm going to turn that layout packager. Yeah, there's just not a lot here in the way of sophistication, which is where that you might find there to be more in the Eclipse editor that would, would help you with that. But no, I'm not aware of anything to, uh, to have it clean this up for us more. Okay, now we did have a question or an observation that this could be a place where we could perhaps use the online, the inline data declaration. Oh, that's interesting. I'm currently editing this. Oh, yeah, I've got another window. So if I wanted to go back to using sum, um, this would be a place where let's say I wanted to use the dynamic um, declaration of sum here. Who can remind us what the syntax would be. So that. And notice very curiously um, and, and to my mind somewhat annoyingly, notice spacing here. Okay. And once again, if I space there, that doesn't work. Or space here, it doesn't work. So when I do the inline variable creation, I, I have to space it as shown here on line 15, even though down here on line 19, if I tried to get rid of the spaces, those would be an error. So what we're actually seeing here is kind of mixing classical and new ABOP, each of which have their, um, their own distinct rules as it relates to spacing. And if you vote for that being annoying, I, I would not dispute that, okay? But, but we could do this, and now in this case, that would let us go back to what we were doing before with this, and we could write out sum, and this case statement here would be based on sum. And I made the observation before, to my thinking, having sum make sense, even though it's a very simple calculation, we only have the computer do it once, whereas before we were having it do the math on both line 19 and line 25. Yes, sir? Uh, I know that typically they want all the data statements at the top. So having that in line kind of creates a 
it does shift the data statement until later in the program. Um, note, for example, you know what? For those not following, is you know a lot of programming languages would would have fits if if we did this after we had executable code. You'll notice that uh, ABOP does not have a problem with this. ABOP does not strictly segregate declarative code from procedural code. So this is not necessarily a change to that aspect of the language. Um, we've always been able to do that. Yes, sir? We will talk about scoping when we get to things like parameter passing, but I would just make the observation that it is um, typical. Um, here, you know, every variable we are creating is universal to all the code that we have created. Um, I suppose the idea would be, and we're, we're out of time here, Ask me about that at the beginning of next class and we'll look at some examples and play around with that a little.